0: Welcome to The Jeff Duden Show. I am Jeff Duden, expert entrepreneur and brand builder. I unpack experiences from today's proven visionaries, action takers, and business athletes to understand the perspective, decisions, and fundamentals that can be applied to your life. Topics include pursuit of learning, health and wellness, leadership, entrepreneurship, and much more. And away we go. Welcome to the Jeff Duton Show. I am Jeff Duton and I am excited to have you join us today where we unpack experiences of uncommon people. Today we have the internet marketing nerd. Please welcome Paul Getter, top-tier internet marketing expert. Paul's internet marketing career began in desperation when he was recently fired without any prospects and he discovered the power of social media. Without any formal education in marketing, he committed himself to learn every aspect of social media. Fast forward a few years, and now he has spent over $1 billion running ads and campaigns for his clients, is in the top 1% of ad spenders on Facebook, and has over 1 million followers on the gram. On a more personal note, Paul lives in Florida with his wife and three kids. And when he's not spending time with family or placing his local uh, Starbucks uh, order a tall non-fat mocha. Uh, you might find him in third-world country camping in huts with no water or electricity. His heart is for the homeless and people in impoverished countries. Paul himself grew up in a low-income home facing many challenges growing up. He has served on the board for a large homeless nonprofit organization that helps those in drug and alcohol rehabilitation. His hobbies today include running, reading, and optimizing funnels. Please Join me in welcoming Paul Getter. Welcome, Paul. Hey, thanks a lot, Jeff. Well, wow. I, was, I was like, who are you introducing? Who is this guy? Like, he sounds great. Yeah, he wow. sounds great,
1: doesn't he? That, yeah, I'm like, I want to meet this guy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you, and, and uh, I'm excited to learn more about you today. So why don't you just start by telling us a little bit about yourself and what we'll kind of set the stage. Maybe we'll come across some experiences that you had growing up that were formative, but tell us a little bit about how you grew up, where you grew up.
1: Yeah, thanks a lot, Jeff. Well, uh, first of all, let me just say it's a, a pleasure to connect with you. I was uh, enjoying the weekend and all of a sudden on Undercover Boss is this guy I'm like, man, this guy is amazing and just so much energy and everything that you were talking about. And so I, I pulled you up on the gram and I sent you a message and I was like, Wow, this is a cool guy. Next thing you know we're sitting here on this call, so again, thank you for having me here, bro. I really appreciate it.
0: The power of social media excited excited for our time, Paul
1: Yes, the power of social media, as you mentioned, I kind of grew up in a um low income um home. You know, it's kind of funny when I was growing up, I didn't realize I think when you're in the middle of it, you don't realize you're in a low income home until you start to go outside of the neighborhood of where you are and you're like, oh wow, you know, people have new cars and, you know, people have more than two bedrooms in their house and one bathroom. And it, you know, so it's just kind of a a discovery situation where I didn't realize it. But I had mentioned to you before that I my parents, even at an early age, instilled in me: if you're going to have something, you gotta you gotta get it yourself. And that was because of more than one reason. Because if I wanted to get something, they weren't going to get it for me because you know, things were tight. So uh, I was one of those young guys that were, you know, seven, eight years old, walking around the neighborhood pushing the lawnmower, trying to find people to mow their grass or take their garbage out or, you know, delivering newspapers, whatever I could do to get some extra spending money to go to the movies, get a candy bar, whatever it might be. Well, well, that's great. And you grew up in Ohio. Yeah. Dayton, well, I actually, I was born in Ohio, in Dayton, Ohio, but at about uh, four years old, my family and I, we moved down to Naples, Florida kind of moved around. We was over in Cocoa Beach for a little bit, but home for me, I grew up in Naples, Florida.
0: Okay, great. So tell tell me a little bit about that. What kind of experience did you have growing up and what did you like to do as a kid?
1: Yeah, so you know, this was before the days of Game Boys and PlayStation and computers and everything like that. We used to do crazy stuff like ride our bicycles. <laughs> <laughs> ride our bicycles and play in the woods and get hurt and have fun and you know we were allowed to stay out until um, it started getting dark and then we would come inside and we would sit at the table and eat dinner with our family but yeah I, I grew up in kind of a quite frankly it was a, it was a rough neighborhood it was you know within where I lived it was the community that had the highest crime drugs and you know violence and everything. I, I joke around with people here. Naples, Florida is a, a beautiful city, not too far away from the beach, but there are segments of Naples Naples that are uh, low income and crime and, you know, just government subsidized housing. Um, so I joke around, I say, I grew up in the hood. Now, if you com- compare that to like Chicago or New York, you know, we got palm trees in our hood. We've got, you know, we can walk to the beach from our hood. So it's not anything too difficult, but you know, there was, there was crime and I found myself at times getting in trouble, kind of mischievous teenager. And my dad, I guess you could say he was a, he was an entrepreneur, but it was before it was legal. He was a (laughs) agricultural entrepreneur. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I, so, so Jeff, I remember I was probably about seven or eight years old. My um, dad was in the backyard and he was watering these large plants right there in our backyard, uh-huh. watering these large plants. And I went over there and I was hanging over his shoulder and he's like, get away, get away. And I was like, what's wrong, dad? He's like, stay away from this. This is poison ivy. And, and I'm like, I remember thinking at seven or eight years old, I'm like, why is dad watering the poison ivy? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I later figured out it was a
0: different type of weed. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, so it wasn't one bedroom for you and, and one wet bedroom for the grow grow house, right? <laughs> no, it was, no, no, no. <laughs> he had it outside.
1: He had it outside. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think about that. Again, it was it was at a time where my parents kind of probably came from that hippie generation. So they right. were, I guess you would say, relatively common that that would happen.
0: Um, I didn't realize this until I looked back on it, but my earliest memories growing up in my home, there were beads in the doorway of the house <laughs> I grew up in, and there was, uh, you know, some velour wallpaper. I mean, it was, yeah, I mean, we, we uh, grew up in a time, ton- <laughs> hippies, right? I mean, yeah. my, you know, right at the end of the uh, of that generation, and, and a lot of that stuff hung over. my My father, who recently passed away, he had a perm. And you know, which was which was big in the '70s, right? In the disco age. But you know, bless his heart, he rocked that thing for three decades. I mean, it it he touched (laughs) the '90s with it. He wouldn't give up on it, but eventually, uh, he he stopped having that done. That was my
1: my upbringing. It was uh, dad was growing marijuana in the backyard, and within that, again, they were hard workers. That was dad's side hustle. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Making some extra money on the side, not condoning that by any means, but they did instill within me and my brother, get to work, You know, go out there and work. It was completely not this entitlement mentality. It was like, look, if you want something, you have to go get it. Right. And, uh, so, yeah, I, I thought it was really cool at, a, at an early age mowing grass and getting $5 on a Saturday. And me and my cousin, we'd go to the movies and every now and then we would go out and deliver newspapers or take people's garbage out. And just, you know, we we were kind of uh, little young entrepreneurs at an early age. Yeah.
0: So a couple, we have some things in common, Paul, and at the Jeff Duden Show, we care about, uh, among other things, two of the things we care greatly about are freedom through entrepreneurship. And you've been an incredible entrepreneur uh, in your career, really coming to social media when it was just starting to get going. And you have worked with some incredible people and had tremendous success. So we're going to unpack that. And the other thing is rebuilding the middle class. And I know that you have a heart and a passion through the things that you do for really helping people improve their station in life. So you, you dedicate a lot of your time and, and it's a big part of who you are as a person. And it's a big part of who I am too. And I really think that helping people uh, achieve things or giving people opportunities or finding ways to help people uh, whether it be educate them or find access to capital or programs or through franchises, really to, you know, transformationally move from wherever it is they are in life to that next phase. Uh, right. I think, you know, making progress in life is what really fulfills us and makes us happy. And I know that, that that's a passion for you. So, you know, what was, how did it start for you? So you're a, you're a kid in a, in a marginal neighborhood in Naples. You've had an early entrepreneurial experience, although maybe you didn't know it at the time. With your dad how did it start how did you get moving from that point towards uh where you are today what was what was next
1: yeah you know a lot of times uh, people ask me how did you become an entrepreneur and it, it was out of desperation i had bills that i had to pay and i was like many people i was working the nine to five job and so i actually i graduated with a degree in theology which uh, Bible college seminary I graduated with a degree in theology, and I realized quickly after graduating that it wasn't a very marketable degree. Not that I went to college for that reason, but uh, you know, you hope to come out and get a job or um, something like that. Uh, but I found myself just working odd jobs. You know, it was it was a job, and so sometimes it would be at a um, sales at a store, and one of my um, last jobs that I worked before jumping in whole wholeheartedly into entrepreneurship, I was working as kind of a sales tech support guy for a merchant processing company. And the uh, supervisor there was a very mean, aggressive, just bossy guy, very demanding, coming to the office, screaming and yelling at people. And it really made a hostile work environment. Nobody liked working there. I remember he would leave, and uh, ladies there in the office would be crying, upset, and you know, guys are angry. And just, I mean, it was just a, not a pleasant place to work. And one day he came in and went through all of his craziness and stuff. And I uh, went up to him and I, I said, "Look, nobody likes when you do this. It makes it makes us very uncomfortable." People are upset and it's not a pleasant place to work because, you know, you do all this. And of course, he bowed up. He's like, Paul, if you talk to me like that again, you're going to lose your job. And I was like, well, I think I'm gone. (laughs) You know, I, I quit. And at that point, I was I was playing around with you know, I always kind of had like this techie background and I was playing around with websites. Websites were a relatively new thing. Most businesses didn't have it, but I was playing around with it. We called them bullet board systems back then. And so I was playing around with that and new businesses. I would say, Hey, can I help you set up a web website? And so as a side hustle, I was doing websites. And when I quit, you know, the one thing that I noticed about that that place that that supervisor is he was mean nasty aggressive guy but he had money i mean <laughs> he, he had a nice car he lived down by the beach you know he was very wealthy and i said to myself like man if this guy he's mean he's nasty nobody likes him if he can be wealthy then why can't i and so that's when i kind of jumped in wholeheartedly into entrepreneurship and started putting together a, uh, a business where I'd help people with tech, with um, building websites. Back then, it was search engine optimization was a big thing. So I started doing that and trying to just learn everything I could to help businesses online.
0: You're starting this business and every business is hard. I, I think uh, people that have been in business for a long time, like you and I, sometimes you forget. Like you forget uh, the doubt and you forget the the struggle of starting a business and you know not trying to do things without a lot of capital. So what were you thinking when you started your business and you're you know you're like wow okay I, I think I can do this I think I can I think I people are going to need these websites yeah and customers are going to start to buy things here and I'm a nice guy yeah. so uh, how did you how did you go from you know the idea or the thought of maybe I can do this for a living to turning that into a business. Was that a slow process for you?
1: I know sometimes people are like, oh, you know, just jump in and abandon everything and just go in. And and that's that's what I did in a sense. But I really, I have to um, credit a lot of this to my wife also. My wife, uh, she was an administrator at a hospital, had a very um, secure position. So, I realized, well, if we could kind of cut our expenses, then we wouldn't be dependent upon, uh, you know, my, my work. And so it gave me the ability to let's make some sacrifices and then grow from there. And so it did start out very slow, you know, it was like $500 a month and which, you know, you can't make a living on that. But when I learned, okay, I can make some money on this. I started really researching and looking into, at this time, uh, Facebook was a new social media platform. And I remember one of my friends uh, was going off to college and they said, Hey, Paul, you need to um, jump on Facebook so we can stay in touch. And it was very, at that time, it was a platform that was more geared toward young people. And so I was like, Hey, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll jump on Facebook. And jumped on facebook and my first impression of this was this is for kids this is games this is a waste of time i can't do this i need to focus work on the business build websites and and you know that that was my my feeling but as uh as i started looking into it i noticed that there were some businesses that had Facebook pages where it was a page that they could advertise their business. And uh, be a person that goes to church and involved in ministry, I said, Huh oh, maybe I'll make one of those Facebook pages for our church. And so I made a Facebook page for our church and put pictures and everything like that. Again, this is a a, a new platform where not, I mean, this is like, my space was probably more popular than Facebook at this time, but I started doing that. And I remember the first time I went to church and there was a new couple there. And I asked them, I said, where did you hear about us? And they said, oh, we saw you on Facebook. And it was like a light bulb went on. I'm like, these are real people. They saw me on Facebook this is a platform that can help businesses. And and then that's where I started kind of shifting my attention into, now we call it social media marketing. But at that point, I was just like, okay, let me see if I can turn Facebook into a business.
0: Wow. It ha- has it for all of us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like,
1: <laughs> for now, a business, if you're not on Facebook, if you're not on social media, you're Years behind you have to be on it
0: right so so you have an interesting brand the times that I've been on calls with you bowtie bow tie yeah you, you have a you have a sport jacket that has chemistry symbols <laughs> on it right now and some equations which matches your background yep. uh, so the background I notice you change your background to to match the the outfit carefully and intentionally put together it's actually quite interesting and, and it's pleasing. So talk to me a little bit about personal branding and before we get into some of these people you've worked with and you know, some, of the, some of the stories that, that sure. you uh, can share that can maybe help some of our listeners and share some experiences with them. But, but building a personal brand is not about creating an ego. It's, it's about creating an ecosystem, an ecosystem of, of
1: it, business
0: yeah. opportunities. Mm-hmm. Tell me how you think about that in terms of your business that's
1: one thing that i wish i would have started sooner is investing in my own personal brand with intention and focus and direction in that it just kind of like uh my personal brand with you know the glasses the bow tie the nerdiness are are there are there lenses in
0: those glasses (laughs) you're you're telling people my secret seriously Come on, man. Okay, so here was a joke. That-
1: <laughs> this this is the thing. This Your eyes the-
0: are perfect.
1: <laughs> no, my eyes are not. I have contacts in. Okay, I have. So w- when I'm on w- when I'm on Zoom calls or when I'm on podcasts like this, I put my contacts in. I'm blind as a bat without okay. my glasses. All right. So I put contacts in and then I put my glasses on so I don't have a glare. <laughs> <laughs> I am visually
0: impaired. You wear those honestly then.
1: Yes, yes, yes. So in the bow tie, you know, it's just kind of my fashion statement. And I've got different jackets and everything like that. So it, it is, it's funny because some of my friends that have known me for years, I remember one time I was traveling to a conference and one of my friends picked me up from the airport and I was wearing, you know, casual clothes. And he looked at me, he's like, I've never seen you not in a suit, in a bow tie. And I was like, wow, all these years, this is the first time, you know, so it is. You know, it's kind of my style. Who I am when I was growing up, a nerd was almost a derogatory statement. It's like, ah, oh, he's a nerd. You know, uh, and, all, almost. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm tr- I'm I'm trying to uh, you know I'm trying yeah. to heal that over that. You understand? I'm right. traumatized. <laughs> yeah. What I want to do is, you know, I think it it is become more cool to be a nerd because you know you got a lot of nerds that are running the world and running businesses and are CEOs so i tell people a nerd today can be your boss tomorrow so don't pick on nerds so uh so yeah i mean whether it's a it um, computer programmers, just, you know, that, that tech I know, I know gym nerds. I know, you know, studly nerds. I mean, like Jeff, you're this big buff guy. You got the, the, the beard and you got glass. All you need is a bow tie (laughs) and we can call you a nerd and you'll be, you know, a business nerd, entrepreneur nerd. So embrace your nerdiness, embrace
0: nerdiness so my book coming out is discernment and it's the business athletes regimen for a great life through better decisions and you know this business athlete concept it really applies to you know if you're you know people train as athletes growing up but then they get into the business world and you know they they forget about what are the fundamentals that i need and and you know how do i get repetitions on things but yeah, that is kind of my, my brand and, and you've got your brand and it fits for what you do. So yeah. if you were going to share any experiences around branding, you said you would have liked to start it earlier. What would you share to people today that are starting a business and maybe they don't aspire, they don't, they don't know where the business is going to go and maybe they're not sure. Like what kinds of things should they be doing just, sure. you know, blocking and tackling on personal brand?
1: Yeah. So here's the thing about Personal branding. Personal branding is so powerful because it doesn't necessarily tie you down to a specific product or service. It's investing in yourself. And so, whatever you attach yourself to, it's lifted by your personal brand. So, if, if you want to endorse or promote, like for that matter, the suit that I'm wearing right now is given to me by one of my partners. They give me free suits because I lift their brand. When you understand that brand, personal branding means you can connect yourself to anything and because of your brand, you lift it. I take, uh, for example, um, Shaq. Shaq is an amazing businessman when it comes to branding. He just made an amazing transition from athlete to a person that has an amazing personal brand. He didn't get himself locked into, you know, just an athlete. He has an amazing personal brand. So Shaq, because of his personal brand, who he is, his authenticity, his humor, one of the things that he mentions in his branding, when he began to embrace his sense of humor, joke around and stuff like that, he realized that people like that more and it lifted his brand. So Shaq has such an amazing brand that if he wants to say, hey, I want to endorse, I want to promote car insurance, he can do that. If he wants to endorse some type of uh, fungus cream or something like that, he can do that. Whatever he wants to promote, a car dealership, because his brand is so strong that he can lift everything. It is an amazing concept when you understand that when you invest in yourself and that comes with giving value to people, investing in people, helping people, teaching people, lifting people up, inspire, motivate, encourage people. So you you build a relationship, you're connecting with people and you're investing in those around you. Really, you don't have to sell anything. It transitions from people want you to give them something like, hey, whatever you have, I want to be connected to it. So that's, that's why big companies like Nike, Adidas, they understand that when their brand is connected to a person that it goes further. We've actually done a lot of testing and working with different companies, large multi-million-dollar companies. And if the company is just a business brand, it has a certain reach. But when you attach that business to a person, that it goes further. Like I'll give you an example. We can take a an ad for a particular product, and if we put it on the Facebook or Instagram page of a, of the name of the business versus a person, you know, an actual person that the ad, the exact same ads, um, side by side, simply because this is coming from a business page and this is coming from a personal page. The personal page outperforms the business page. Everything's identical, but simply when people see a face or a person or persona associated with the brand, they can relate to it more. So it's, it's important to invest in your personal brand and that's, you know, get out there, get on podcasts, get on, you know, different programs, write articles, do videos. Attention is the new monetary system. You know what I mean?
0: Attention yes. is currency. Absolutely, and and you mentioned Shaq, and Shaq is very likable, and yeah. I always smile. I've seen him do reality TV shows, and he he doesn't take himself too seriously, and, and i I just find him to be very palatable uh, as a yeah. celebrity. But I'll <laughs> I'll also sense. say this, you know, you you've got many, you have salespeople mm-hmm. in our industry that invest the time to build their personal brand and they're not a household name and they're not on television commercials but I can tell you that it helps their career and when they show up at a conference so I don't think this is just for the the household names I think it's now accessible for everybody and if you're smart and if you're diligent and if you're willing to put in the time to make the content and put the content up I think it can help you do you agree with that
1: Yeah, absolutely. So here's the thing is ten years ago, if someone said, Hey, you want to be on the radio, everybody'd be like, Yeah, yeah, I want to be on the radio. If a radio show host invited you to be on their radio program, you'd be like, No way, I've been invited to be on somebody's radio program. Well, you have to look at the platforms that we have available to us today. It's very similar. You know, like I can I can post something on social media and have a million people look at it. That's, that's bigger than a lot of radio programs and podcasts. Podcasts are the new radio programs. I have kind of like a rule of thumb. If someone invites me on a podcast, I don't care who it is, as long as it aligns with who I am and you know what I believe. I'm going to say, I just did a podcast a few weeks ago. Of a, I think he's a 12 year old boy in Nigeria, and he's doing a podcast from his garage. And I'm like, this is an opportunity for me to introduce myself to people that don't know who I am. So that's what it is. It's about getting more eyeballs on you. So whether that's through Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, think of them as all television programs. You know what I mean? Like if someone said, Hey, do you want to be on HBO? Do you want to be on Showtime? Well, that's the same thing. Do you want to be on TikTok? Do you want to be on Instagram? Do you want to be on Facebook? These are all media, media platforms. So take advantage of we're living in one of the greatest times to build. up. Anybody can be famous. Really? Anybody can be famous. I can take a person that I think there is a little bit of talent, charisma, and personality that has to be involved. You know, it's kind of like a person that's going on American Idol. Well, anybody can be a rock star, but you got to be able to sing a little bit too. You know what I mean? You can take a person and turn them into a local rock star. Literally, probably, whether it's a realtor, whether it is a person that has a business on a local basis, and you can run ads as little as 10 and 20 dollars a day and you target that entire city. You do you do that every day for a year, I promise you, you're going to restaurants and people will say, "Oh yeah, I saw your videos." You'll you'll go to the airports, people will, will recognize you and that personal brand and that relationship what a personal brand does is it bridges the gap of trust and authority before people will make a transaction with you they have to trust you and they have to believe that you're an authority in the situation so when you have a good personal brand you've already broke down those walls to make a transaction take place
0: that makes a lot of sense i rem- you know when we were growing up it was the people doing the news it was DJs on the radio and it was car dealers. And yeah. that was it. Because why do these car dealers do their own commercials? I, I can't tell you because they're not, they weren't good. No, no, they still aren't. They're, <laughs> they're still not. But like, they, but what you do is then you see these, you, you go to the car dealer and you are looking for this person and they're there, they're walking around and you're like, that's, that's a TV star. No, it's yep. not. That is not a TV star, but that right. is somebody that's on TV and they, uh, they get the authority from being there all those years. So yeah, yeah, point well taken. And it's available to all of us now.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: We talked previously about some stories, and I know that you've shared some of the things you've done with some of the big names in the industry. Uh, Would you care to share a couple of stories about maybe how you've, so you're you're doing this for a a handful of years, and all of a sudden, you get a break. Tell me about your first big break that that you got that really moved you from a startup or, or a local business onto yeah. the national stage.
1: When I first got involved in marketing, it was kind of a lot of local little mom and pop restaurants and local businesses and stuff. And I did a, a lot of work with Christian authors, pastors, ministries, nonprofits, and I remember I was doing work for a, uh, a ministry or an author out in Los Angeles. And it was actually in um, Beverly Hills area. And so I was helping them, you know, build their website and put their social media plan together. And uh, I remember going to their website and I started going through the website. I'm like, wow, this church has several celebrities it. And it was just like, I I was somewhat amazed that several celebrities went to this church that I was doing marketing for. And so I kind of like determined within myself, look, I'm going to wow them. I'm going to impress them. This guy has a lot of connections and relationships. And so I started doing that. I started really doubling down, helping them out and uh, volunteering to do extra things for them. It just kind of evolved from it. And uh, I believe that the CEO of this company or the the ministry was at the barbershop one time and just got talking with the barber. The barber's like, Hey, how's things going? And he says, Oh, it's going great. He said, You know, things are really growing. And we got this guy over in Florida that is doing our marketing. He's doing this Facebook stuff and it was, it was really cool. And so one of the next persons that came in to get their haircut was a guy that many people would know online. It was a Ty Lopez. Ty Lopez or someone on his team came in and conversations started taking place. Next thing I know, someone on Ty Lopez's team calls me up and say, hey, you know, we heard a lot about what you're doing. I'm like, I didn't know who these people were. And the entrepreneur space, as far as digital products, courses, and, you know, self-help and uh, personal development, that world was, you know, relatively foreign to me. I wasn't, didn't know it even existed. I talked to that individual and it was actually, it was Ty Lopez's brother. His name is Ben. And I talked to him. He's like, tell me what you do. And I, I told him and he said, well, you know, we're wanting to grow this. We're wanting to, you know, build more. And I had enough experience running ads. One of the things that I learned how to do very quickly is distinguish the difference between a good ad and a bad ad. And so I could find people that were running bad ads. And that was kind of a strategy that I would use is I could look at an ad and just by looking at it, I could say it's not doing well because I knew that there was key things to look for colors and pictures and the words and stuff. And again, I had no formal training in marketing, but you know, you can just like, okay, that's not a good ad that, you know, that's someone that does nothing in marketing. Uh, back then, Facebook used to have the ability where you just click a button and the Facebook platform would auto-generate an ad for you. And it always looked ugly. It just, it looked horrible. But uh, most people didn't realize that you could set up the ads in an advanced level where you insert your own pictures, your own text. And I kind of figured that out. And so I knew the difference between a good ad and a bad ad and an ad that Facebook auto-generated when I was talking with them, I was talking with uh, Ben on Ty's team. He's like, so tell me what you're doing. And I started looking at what they were doing. I was like, yeah, you know, I could probably get the cost of what you're doing down by about 90%. And just because in my experience in seeing people that could, how can I say this nicely, that there was room for improvement. <laughs> yes. What were they uh, promoting online? It was different things like their courses at this time in their level, what they were doing is they were wanting to grow their social following, wanting to grow their their Facebook page. And I don't even know if Instagram was around them, but they were wanting to grow that uh, social page. And that at that time, that was something that I really excelled in that I had people reaching out, I kind of did it as a hobby now this isn 't years ago with Facebook when the organic reach was amazing, and you could post stuff on a Facebook page and you got thousands of likes and shares, and so I knew how to grow that and I was doing it kind of like a hobby playing around with it because it was fun. I understood how to how to do that, and so that 's what I did is I was showing them how to grow their following. And got off the call with him. And an hour later, he called me back. He's like, Hey, can you fly out to Beverly Hills tomorrow? I'm like, Tomorrow? Really? And he's like, Yeah, yeah, we'll take care of it. Just come out here tomorrow. We want to talk to you. And I was like, Okay. And jumped on the plane and flew out to Beverly Hills, sat down and talked with him and his team and went through some of the stuff that they were doing. And I remember I left his house that day and he said, So when can you start on this? And I remember they were getting like, um, on the ads that I kind of audited, they were getting somewhere like 10 or 15 cents a, a click. And I told him, I said, Ah, yeah, I think I can get it one cent a click. And which is kind of like, <laughs> you know, it's like, no, that's impossible. Obviously they were very skeptical. And I, uh, he said, so when can you start? I was like, well, when I get back to the hotel, I'll start everything up and went back to the hotel and set the ads up. And, Couple hours later, took a screenshot to of it and sent it over to him. And you know, again, they were getting 15 20 cents a click, and took a screenshot. And I was getting one cent a click. You know, three hours after leaving there, I guess you would say from there, the rest was history. I've been working with him ever since. And you know, when you work with a person of of that level, you know, someone with a reputation like that, very well known online, the word just kind of gets around. And I remember when it first started out, I. I didn't want anybody knowing what I was doing. I just kind of like wanted to be hiding out behind the curtain somewhere and you know, hey, this is my little secret what I'm doing, but then people started reaching out to him, people started reaching out to people that knew him, hey, you know, who who's doing your stuff? What's going on here? You know, we're seeing something go on and next thing you know, people started messaging me, "Hey, you know, I want to hear more about what you're doing." And so as that you know, I've had the privilege of working with Ty Lopez, Grant Cardone, Bob Proctor, Les Brown, you know, all of the well known individuals in the entrepreneur personal development type space have also worked with A list cele- celebrities, people like Kevin Hart, worked on marketing for TV shows, Fortune 500 companies. And it was just from, helping someone out in doing a good job. And the word just kind of gets around from there, I guess you would say.
0: Well, so half a life is showing up and you got on a plane and you went out there for the meeting. And and that's uh, my career and my experience. I have learned that the best things happen when I'm not sitting behind my desk, when I actually go and get face-to-face with somebody.
1: Absolutely, Uh, absolutely. uh,
0: You shared with me also that uh, you went out and you got a call from Kevin Hart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you again, you're in Naples, Florida, so it's no small journey to head out to L.A., but you went out there again. Tell me about that. So there was a,
1: a connection with someone that was working with me in Thai that knew Kevin and or knew a friend. Yeah, knew a friend of Kevin. His name was Boris Kojo. And he's also a celebrity on TV shows and he's on like Code Black. He was also on Husbands of Hollywood. Maybe not as prominent as Kevin Hart, but a very successful actor in Hollywood. So we were talking with him, giving him advice and direction. And he got talking with Kevin. They said, hey, you know, why don't you come out here and uh, talk to us about what you do and what you might be able to help us out with. And I remember that uh, we went there and it's kind of amazing because even at this time, Kevin was a a well-known comedian and I knew who he was and um, had a successful career. And now, I mean, the guy's everywhere. So we we were sitting down having dinner with him and he's like, so what can you do? And I was like, uh, their vision at this time was to do a clothing line and different online products. And I said, okay, so we can build you um, a website. And I started going through all the details of um, what we were going to do. And I kind of knew that this was a really unique opportunity to work with someone like this. And, you know, I'm a firm believer, like uh, a lot of times young people come to me, is like, look, how have you been able to work with big names like this? I'm like, you know, a lot of times it just starts out by saying, hey, What can I do for you? Don't even ask for anything like, hey, can I, I'm a graphic designer. Can I do graphic design? Like I get people that message me all the time and they'll send me a message. Paul, will you mentor me? And that's the worst way to approach it. Because for me, when I get a message and someone says, hey, Paul, will you mentor me? That's like saying, hey, Paul, will you work for me for free? Because mentoring someone is work. I'm coaching them and training them. So it's difficult. But when you say to someone, hey, I'm a graphic designer or I do this, this is my skill set. I want to do it for you for free. Then I'm like, hey, let's talk about it. And what that does, that gives you access to that person, gives you access to that person. And then just by being connected to them, working with them, working with their team, you are being mentored. And so that was kind of the approach that I took with um, Kevin. I'm like, look, hey, I'll build it all out for free and we make you money on it. Just give us a percentage of the sale. And I remember him and his friend, they were like, really, is that how you want to do it? I'm like, yeah, yeah, that'd be great. And because they had had experiences where they had worked with people and they get this nice check, a six figure bill for building out something for them. And, you know, that wasn't an experience that they liked. So I was like, I'll do it for free. And, you know, if we make money, I'll get some of it, but I just want to work with you. And I remember um, one of the last conversations that I had with them, they're like, Hey Paul, if there's anybody in Hollywood that you would want to meet, that you want to be connected to, just let us know. And we'll make that happen. And you can't put a price tag on that. You know what I mean? Like, That That's better than a paycheck that they could ever get. And that's one thing that I'm a firm believer in that relationships are so much more valuable than revenue. You can't put a price tag on relationships.
0: It's interesting. you shared about your interactions with Kevin that he was just a awesome respectful, yeah, serious yeah. guy. And so you I know. listened to I listened to him on Tim Ferriss show just last week. And I expected when I that it was going to be funny. And yeah. he was serious. He was thoughtful. Uh-huh. He had an incredible story. He was respectful. And really, I learned a lot from that time. So you, you look at somebody's persona online and you say, yeah. okay, this is the persona that I have. And, and then you look behind it and yeah. you say, okay, how hard does this person work? And what came across to me was how, like, how hard, yeah. and how thoughtful, and how intentional of a business person he Absolutely. is. And I, and I'm just interested to know that uh, that you felt kind of the same way about the interaction. Yeah,
1: it re- re- really was. I remember, you know, we were was some type of event related to his um, TV show that they were having a some type of ceremony or something like that, a special dinner, and so we were there for that. And that's where I initially first. Met him, you know, he pulls up in the limo and I'm there with one of his friends. And he comes out and his friend introduces me. And again, I'm like excited, hey, you know, just joking around like that. And he shakes my hand. He says, um, Paul, it's a pleasure meeting you, sir. And he's like, yes, sir, no, sir. And our whole conversation was very business oriented, yes, sir, no, sir. And again, I was thinking, okay, I thought he was going to be this joking, funny guy. And of course, he had his moments where he was um, joking, funny, but he, He the obviously what we see on television is he's an actor, he's a comedian and everything like that. But behind that persona is a brilliant businessman that is very intentional, orchestrated, and he has a a vision, a drive and a passion to be successful. And so he's serious about business. He's serious about business
0: and very talented. Now you've been working out on the West Coast, and then you've got a client down in Miami, Grant Cardone. I've been reading Grant's book, uh, 10X, and just recently finished it. So only a couple hours from you. So how did that, how did they come about that you got connected to Grant Cardone?
1: Well, you know, so a lot of times in the entrepreneur space is the different entrepreneur personalities are always watching each other what's going on. I believe that that's probably what was happening is Grant was watching what was happening with Ty and, you know, increased growth in certain areas. And so the word started getting out. And, you know, next thing you know, uh, someone was sending a message to him and my name came up and someone on his team called me. up. He's like, hey, you know, um, why don't you come over here to the office and talk to us and tell us what you do? And so uh, Miami's Miami's an hour, 15, 20 minutes away from me. And so that's what I did is I drove over there and talked to him about what we did and what we do. And he's like, okay, I'm on board. Let's do it. And that's, that's pretty much how it, how it went. Of course, Grant Cardone is kind of a, it's, it's unique when you see the personalities. Pi is kind of the Tim Ferris, you know, four hour work week, just relax, take it easy, enjoy life. And um, Grant is like, man, if you're not working 80 hours a week, you're a lazy bum. You know what I mean? So so it is kind of the unique two extremes where Ty is just easygoing, relaxed, uh, again, serious, brilliant businessman and everything like that. But he's more of enjoy life and have systems and people in place for um, business. And Grant is like hustle, grind, work, and and that type. So Uh, So, yeah, I um, worked with him and his office was over there probably, you know, two, three times a week for about a year, helping him out with building funnels, running ads and growing social media presence and cool stuff like that.
0: Yeah, he does a great job with it. And I know that you were were a, a big part of it. So looking back over what we've talked about and looking back over your career, how do you kind of look back and make sense of it in terms of your core beliefs and your core values. And what lessons can you share from the experience that you've had? You've done some things that a lot of marketers would only dream of having these opportunities. How do you make sense of it in terms of what are the things that you have come to believe that you believe have been important in your career?
1: A couple different things is there is a, uh, an importance of just investing in people, helping people, giving um, to people and not really expecting anything in return. It always comes back. It, it will come back. but if you just help people, so I can tell you that I, there was times that I would just I would find someone that, would, that had potential that I you know was doing marketing. And I wasn't making much money at this time, but I would find someone, um, I' I'll give an example young man by the name of Caleb. He was a Christian author and I got his book and I liked it and I reached out to him and I said, Hey man, I want to do your marketing for you. And he said, Oh man, I'm I'm a new author. I don't, I don't have any budget. I'm like, no, I just want to do it for you. No, you're not going to pay me anything. And you know, it's an amazing story that I was able to help him out and uh, grow his from an author that it, when i first started working with him he was making about $600 a month $600 a month I, I told him i said look you know there's other opportunities and i helped him build a business where now he helps authors right helps people publish books and you know over a few years i helped him build a multimillion dollar business going from $600 a month to a multimillion dollar business but i didn't just out of sincerely wanting to help him. And there's been several people, I'm not saying that to pat myself on the back or anything, but I'm just helping people out and sowing and, and giving. in. And, and that always comes back around. And uh, so I believe number one, that is important. And then obviously a strong integrity. I've seen times in working with people that there may have been opportunity to make more money if you try to, changes a little bit or anything like that. But if you just lead with integrity, the word gets around and people will want to work with you because they can trust you. They value your opinion. You're sincere. You're honest. Um, So integrity obviously is is very important. So giving to others integrity and doing it with excellence, doing it, whatever you do, do it with excellence. I, I, you know, I, I want people to know I've I'm doing my very best and if I'm not giving you 100% then that's my fault and hold me accountable whatever I do I want to do it with a high level of excellence
0: sage words and great advice for all of us Paul are you comfortable or do you care to talk a little bit about your uh, ministry work that you do Oh, you know, I'm very comfortable. Yeah. yeah. And, and I asked the question because really one of the things that we care greatly about is rebuilding the middle class and mm-hmm. entrepreneurialism and, and giving back. You know, I didn't come from great means. You didn't come from great means. Mm-hmm. And businesses have allowed us to, given us a platform to yeah. be able to apply hard work and a set of core values and engage other people and change our lives. And now we have the opportunity to help other people. Tell me a little bit about what you've got going on there, and, and some of the things that happen.
1: Yeah, so I, I tell you what, Jeff. I grew up, even though I gave you the description of my parents, you know, being hippie and doing things that were not acceptable. I was kind of one of, in one of these homes where we were casual Christians, go to church on Christmas, Easter, and everything like that. I remember taking the uh, church bus to um, Sunday school by no means, it wasn't necessarily a Christian home, not until in my later teens. Uh, but I, even even within church, there was kind of this old school mentality that money, money's evil. You know what I mean? And so it's kind of like you, I always noticed this, that preachers or ministries would say money was evil, but they would gladly allow a millionaire to come to their church and give, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's evil. Stay But it was, it was kind of like, you know, someone would start making money. It's like, be careful, be careful. You know, you're going to be making money and it's, it's dangerous. And then I realized that obviously money is not evil. I tell people this, um, it's okay to have money as long as money doesn't have you. It's what you do with money will determine what, if it's evil or if it's good. So I realize again, growing up that money opens doors, money opens. If you want to do something, if you want to travel, you need money. If you want to um, buy something, you need money. If you want to give somebody something, you need money. And I remember where I was kind of at this stage, again, as I mentioned before, I did go to Bible college because it was in my later teen years where my dad had a, a, a great turn and started going to church and he took us to church. And, you know, so we kind of straightened things out. And then I went off to Bible college after high school, but there was not really this business mind in a a focused entrepreneur way, because again, it was almost like if you have faith and you have money that it wasn't congruent, but I, I found myself connecting with Other people that had strong faith that were very successful in business. I remember one individual that I met that I talked to. The guy was a billionaire. I mean, he had private jets and everything. And this was in my early beginning of starting social media that someone had introduced um, this guy. Because, like I said, I initially just worked with Christian authors and um, Christian movies. I've had the privilege of working with God's Not Dead, Son of God, several different um, Christian movies. And someone connected me to this Christian entrepreneur and which for me at this time, it was like Christian entrepreneur. It was like, uh, you know, that was an oxymoron, (laughs) you know what I mean? So I don't know why it was, but maybe those that grew up in kind of the same Christian upbringing, you can understand that it was almost like, I don't know how to explain it, but, but I remember talking with him. And he was, again, a billionaire, private jets and everything like that. And I was helping him with his marketing of his book. And it was an older guy from Tennessee. And he said to me, he said, hey, Paul, uh, you know, I hear preachers all the time. They say that scripture, you know, we're the head, not the tail. We're the first, not the last. He said, that's all good and everything like that. He said, but I never hear him talk about you shall be the lender and not the borrower. And he said, how can you be a lender if you're always broke? (laughs) And I was like, you know what? That makes sense. He said, so for for the person that has taken that part and saying, hey, I I like that. That's good. It also talks. And then he began to just kind of like show me how, again, money isn't evil. And this was a man that uh, had helped millions of people through his nonprofit and stuff. And I realized one of the most valuable things that I could do to help people is to help them learn how to how to make money and show them, you know, I, of course, for me, I show people how to make money through online marketing, online entrepreneurship. I'm a minister in a church and pastor, preach every Sunday, every Wednesday. And in addition to that, I, I believe in a very holistic type of faith, not just sing a song, get a sermon and go home. But I do believe that faith goes beyond that. It goes into your health. It goes into your your finance. It goes into your business. When I mention excellence, um, Jesus actually said, and whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. And so, you know, I do it with excellence. I do it as a representation of my relationship to God. You know, one of the greatest compliments that someone can give you to your faith is like, Look, man, I like working with you. I can trust you and I can you do a good job. That's that's a great compliment to your faith and your relationship. And so in addition to Bible studies and everything like that, I do teach our youth, our young people, our college how to how to build businesses. I've got young men in our church that Three years ago, they were making $40,000 a year. Now through entrepreneurship, training, coaching, and mentoring, they're making $40,000 a month. And they're doing good things with it. You know, they're helping other people. They're blessing other people. So I really believe that that is a critical and it's probably an overlooked area when it comes to faith and ministry and, and nonprofits that you can actually help people um, to make, make money. And, and, you know, it's like, for me, if I want to go on a missions trip to Haiti, to a third world country or something like that, I don't have to take up an offering. I don't have to do that. I take out my credit card and I go, you know, I I don't have to do any fundraisers or anything like that. I can do it. And so it does give you the ability. And, uh, you know, when you see it as a tool to help people and to make a difference in people's life, I think that there's a blessing that comes in it when God can entrust you with it, that he knows that you're going to help other people with it. And it's, you'll be a conduit of blessing. That's, that's all it is right there, Jeff, It's just being a conduit of blessings. Like if you try to hold it all for yourself and say, I'm just going to be greedy with it, well, it'll dry up. But if you can just say like, I- I'll keep giving it, it'll always keep coming.
0: Somebody once said to me that a, that a man wrapped up in a self makes a very small package indeed. <laughs> and, uh, man, it, it's about the change that we make and the impact that we have on other people's lives. And, uh, wow. man, I, I believe that you paying it forward and uh, honoring what's, what's happened to you in the past and uh, yeah. you know, paying it forward, taking everything that you've learned and connecting dots for other and unleashing potential. Is just uh, it's a powerful statement of, of so, life, man. It is yeah, a so powerful what's, statement.
1: What's really cool is, like I said, I grew up in Naples, and I have guys that were my friends when we were mischievous getting in trouble. I mean, we got we got in trouble. Well, that's and what
0: Facebook's for, staying in touch with those people.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so, but now I have them, you know, they come to my church, they're I coach them, mentor them, they're involved in ministry with us, going on missions trips with us, and so it's just kind of like because our church is located in the same area where I grew up as a young person.
0: That's awesome. Well, Paul, this has been a this has been a great hour. I really can't thank you enough for being on. I've, I've absolutely enjoyed the time that we've spent together. My pleasure. Uh, tell people where they can get in touch with you and we'll make sure to get all of your contact information in the show notes as well. But where can people find you, Paul?
1: Yeah. So the easiest way to get in contact with me is on Instagram. That's kind of like my platform of preference. And my Instagram handle is Paul, just Paul, P-A-U-L. You'll see it's a verified account with blue check mark. It's Paul. Send me a message there. I'm always in my DMs checking people. You can also visit my website, find out all information about us. My website is paulgetter.com. That's G-E-T-T-E-R.com. Like go getter.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, Paul, thank you for being on the Jeff Duden Show. I've enjoyed our time together and we look forward to working with you in the future. Oh, thank you very much, Jeff. God bless you. Have a great day. All right. Take care and away we go. Thank you for tuning in to The Jeff Duden Show. Interested in learning more about something I referenced in the episode? Check out the show notes for links to content and more. If you enjoyed my podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. Until next week, you can find me at jeffduden.com. Thank you for listening.